0: Al Gore can't defend his inconvenient lies. Al Gore's inconvenient sequel comes as his dire climate predictions fail to materialize. Al Gore can't save the global warming cult. The fake science is exposed. The best way to reduce your carbon emissions, don't be rich. Somebody tell Leonardo DiCaprio and Al Gore. Al Gore says, ironically, the rich have subverted all reason. And from L Magazine, this is guaranteed to be fake news, Al Gore is getting hotter. Gross. Al Gore, defender of the planet, inventor of the internet, groper of masseuses, is back. Ten years after his feature-length fantasy film, An Inconvenient Truth, predicted Armageddon in a decade, the former future president brings us an inconvenient sequel, Truth to Power, in which he steadfastly refuses to correct all of the inconveniently false predictions he made in the first movie. We will analyze. Plus, the panel of deplorables joins us. The conservative millennial Jacob Berry and Zoe Rachel will discuss Russia expelling US diplomats, potential war with North Korea, and the worst news of all, truly devastating, the mooch is out as communications director. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Devastating news. Absolutely devastating. This came out like 10 minutes ago. Scaramucci, after 10 days on the job, is out as the White House communications director. And this is the first episode of our show. Can you believe they gave me a show? I think I'm the first guy in history to get his own show. But gave me a job. did give my producer Marshall a job. I think I'm the first guy in history to get his own show for not writing a book. So that's really great. I'm really happy to have it. This show, you know, it's going to be, you come for the conversation, you stay for the cafe. We've got a great panel coming up later. But first, we have to dive right into Al Gore. So let's get right into it. We knew it was coming. We, when he made that first movie in 2006, what would you have predicted was more likely in 10 years? Armageddon or St. Al wringing more money out of this racket? Clearly, it was the latter. You know, it's expensive. He's gotta pay for his beachfront property that is going to be flooded soon, I suppose. He's gotta pay for all those jets. His house, his Tennessee house, consumes between 12 and 20% more energy than the average home, so he's gotta pay for all of that carbon offset, presumably. But we have a lot to dissect here, so let's let's get right into it. I saw it so that you don't have to. Let's look at the beginning of the trailer for an Inconvenient Sequel.
1: Well, I'm here to tell you now Man Bear Pig is very real, and he most certainly exists. I'm serial. But have no fear, because I am here to save you. And someday, when the world is rid of Man Bear Pig, everyone will say, Thank you, Al Gore. You're super awesome. The end.
0: Are you sure that was from the movie? I can't remember if that was from the movie or somewhere else. Now, that isn't fair. That is not fair. We shouldn't be making fun of our opponents like that. By the way, the reason it isn't fair is that Al Gore would never exaggerate his role in world history or his self-importance, I don't think, right?
1: My service in the United States Congress. uh, I took the initiative in creating the Internet.
0: Oh, gosh, that doesn't look good. All right, well... (laughs) let's get into the actual trailer if we can do we have it can we bring it up
1: it's supposed to be 70 degrees today it's freezing here speaking of global warming where is we need some global warming it's freezing The most criticized scene in the movie, An Inconvenient Truth, was showing that the combination of sea level rise and storm surge would flood the 9-11 memorial site. And people said, what a terrible exaggeration.
2: Hurricane Sandy slammed into New York City last night, flooding the World Trade Center site.
0: This, you have to hand it to Al Gore. This guy has cojones of steel. He opens up his trailer with some of the most stunning hypocrisy in the entire movie. One thing we're always told by the alarmists, uh, the global warming alarmists, is that weather is not climate. So Donald Trump, you saw in that clip, he says, you know wow, we need a little bit more global warming. It's a little chilly here. And people say, well, that's just the weather, and the weather is different than the climate because the climate is a lot of weather or something like that. But then (laughs) Al Gore immediately goes to one weather event that happened in New York, I lived through it. I was actually, my apartment was flooded during that storm. That wasn't the worst storm in New York history. There, there have been, I think, something like 84 major hurricanes and cyclones in the last three, 400 years in New York City. That, that was certainly not the worst one. There was one in 1938, killed 600 people. That flood, and by the way, Al Gore's claim in his original movie, I don't think it's that every once in a while, parts of New York are going to flood. The streets are going to flood. I think it was that major cities would be underwater but it it is a really masterful painting over and glossing over of that first assumption and and really (laughs) that stunning hypocrisy sets you up for the rest of the movie let's keep going on with the trailer talking about breaking the impasse virtually
1: every nation in the entire world agreed to get to zero greenhouse emissions it is unprecedented it's time to put America first that includes a promise to cancel billions in climate change spending.
0: The gall, the unmitigated gall of our president to put the country that he's the president of before all of the other countries in the world. Can you believe it? It's un- unimaginable. But, you know, there are a lot of things that the rest of the world does and America doesn't do that, that are pretty good. You know, the, the rest of the world does uh, play soccer. We don't do that, and that seems just fine. Rest of the world has abandoned the Christian roots of Western civilization. I'm pretty glad that we've we've managed to keep doing that. The rest of the world abridges the liberty of its citizens. Even in the Anglosphere, even in the United Kingdom. If you say something that's politically incorrect. If you make comments about Islam or other religions or pol- political ideas, you can be arrested for, for doing just that. The United States has done quite a lot of things on its own and avoided a lot of the, the conflicts and troubles that the rest of the world has. But he takes another pot shot at Trump. Th- this trailer might as well be the the Donald Trump trailer. It is totally a reaction to it. And probably uh, Al Gore thought that he could make a little bit of money by tying it into the news. but. Alas, alas, nobody nobody has been going to see this movie. Let's, uh, let's go on, do we have more of this trailer?
1: Next generation would be justified in looking back at us and asking, what were you thinking? Couldn't you hear what the scientists were saying? Couldn't you hear what mother nature was screaming at you? This movement is in the tradition of every great movement that has advanced humankind. It is right to save humanity. It is wrong to pollute this earth. It is right to give hope
0: to the future generation. I do not hear mother nature screaming at me. I hear Al Gore screaming at me. It's very unpleasant. That is, this is the, the sort of sad thing about this movie. After I saw it, I actually tweeted out that I genuinely almost felt sorry for Al Gore, because. As you saw, he doesn't really take on the criticisms from his first movie. He kind of glides over a couple of them. Most of the movie isn't even about global warming. He doesn't really go into data. The movie's just about Al Gore. Al Gore taking meetings with people, Al Gore making phone calls to people, Al Gore doing everything he can to stay relevant. But unfortunately, it doesn't seem like people are responding anymore. The trouble with making a movie in which you predict Armageddon is you have to be right where you can't make a sequel to it. So I I went to see it on opening night in Los Angeles. Opening night for this movie in the left wing center of the world, it was only playing in two theaters in LA. And not just that, I, I went with my fiance to go see it we constituted 25% of the audience. There were eight people in the whole theater. So I, I, the, the louder he yells, the less people listen and, and vice versa, I think. Do we Now, He by the end of this clip, he actually does get to the heart of the matter. He gets to really what, what the left-wing agenda is for this country and what the environmentalist agenda is. Can we keep going? I guess we skipped over his, oh, I I remember it. So even though we skipped over his words, what he says are, don't let anybody tell you that we're going to Mars. Don't let anybody tell you that we're going to colonize someplace else. This world, this is our home. We're staying here, so we have to stop... doing whatever, we have to stop driving our cars and, and having nice productive lives. That is the heart of this left wing agenda because in the old days, this, this is not what we saw. We now we're being told do less, drive less, produce less, travel less, be, pollute less, you know, there, there's no uh, positive message that we're getting out of this. This was not always the case. Another, uh, a democratic president, someone who actually made it to the presidency from the Democratic Party had a very different message even 50 years ago. Let's hear it.
3: We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard, because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win.
0: We choose to crush tin cans. We choose to cut those little plastic things that hold the cans together so the dolphins don't choke. We choose to crush tin cans. That is, the Democratic Party has come a very long way since from President Kennedy to Al Gore. And uh, it's a really sad devolution that we're seeing with them. The movie isn't about global warming. One neat little trick he does in it though, you've seen the nomenclature change over time. Initially in the 70s and 80s, it was global cooling. Then it became global warming. Then it became climate change when the scientific observations didn't match up with the predictions. Now Al Gore has changed it again, that the phrase he uses constantly, incessantly in the movie is the climate crisis. The climate crisis, and this serves two purposes. One, it's just as ambiguous as climate change, so it's unfalsifiable. But climate crisis also means, come on everybody, listen to me more, come see my movie, care about this. He's seen that interest in global warming, has ebbed and receded immensely since 2006. So the, the the end is also pathetic. This movie ends like a bad nonprofit fundraising video. They have a hashtag up on the screen. They say, tweet this, tweet, be inconvenient, go to our Facebook page. It's really, really pathetic. Whatever you thought of that first, I mean, the first movie was nonsensical, it was stupid, it was alarmist. But it was good propaganda. It was actually a pretty good good work of propaganda. He won the Oscar for it, I think. He got his Nobel Prize for, uh, for his PowerPoint presentation. This is it really phoned in. It's a cheap money grab and sad for him, it isn't making any money. So before, before you rush out to the sequel after that uh, great recommendation, there are uh, some corrections from the first movie that he does not address in this movie. You would think he'd take the opportunity, but he doesn't. So we've all heard about a lot of the scandals. At East Anglia University, the United Nations climate scientists were caught manipulating data, trying to hide the decline to account for periods in which warming did not occur over the past 15 and 20 years. Uh, the, the IPCC, actually, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, did admit in a draft of its 2013 report that... a lot of their predictions haven't come true. So they were at least a little bit more forthright than climate evangelist Al Gore. But uh, in 2007, so just shortly after the movie came out, the British High Court identified nine errors in the movie that were so egregious that if you showed the movie, to school children in the UK, you actually had to read a disclaimer. This is one case where he needed a trigger warning because there were so many falsities in the movie that we had to correct them. So, And since then, we, we've seen that many other predictions from the film haven't come true. But let's just go through them really quickly so that you can be prepared when you become the fifth person to go see Al Gore's uh, inconvenient sequel. So in the movie, Al Gore predicted a 20 foot sea level rise in the near future. The judge in that 2007 decision said, The Armageddon scenarios he predicts, insofar as it suggests that sea level rises of seven meters might occur in the immediate future, is not in line with the scientific consensus. So much for that scientific consensus, the 97%, the 150% of scientists that think Al Gore should have been president or something like that. I don't remember what the exact study was. The second, uh, the Pacific Atolls, quote, are being inundated because of anthropogenic global warming was a claim made in the movie. There is is no evidence of that. There's no evidence of evacuations happening there. It was just made up whole cloth. Number three, global warming would shut down the Gulf Stream, the, the stream between the continental Europe and the UK and the East Coast of the United States. Even the UN climate panel said that that was unlikely. That was the UN climate panel said that'd be unlikely before Al Gore made his movie. But he put it in there anyway. I guess he spins a good yarn. It makes for a for a good film. Uh, then the film also showed an exact fit between carbon dioxide level rises and temperature level rises. But the data don't bear that out. The judge pointed this out. There is some scientific consensus that there is a relationship between the two, but a one-to-one direct line. There is no evidence that that exists. Al Gore staked a lot of his ridiculous film on it. And then Kilimanjaro, the snows of Kilimanjaro. Mr. Gore predicted in 2006 that the snows of Kilimanjaro would be gone within 10 years. Marshall, have you, have you seen it lately? Have you looked at any? Yeah, I'm looking right now. You're it look, looks pretty good. You haven't pulled it. up. There's, there's snow still on there. Yeah, That's not from 10 years ago. No, we're All actually right. going to board it as a company this year. <laughs> there are still snows on Kilimanjaro. How wonderful for Mother Nature. How sad for Al Gore. Uh, another, another prediction similar is that Lake Chad is drying up because of global warming. This one is a little trickier because Lake Chad actually is drying up depending on the season and, and over time. But uh, there's no evidence that it's caused by man-made global warming. Th- this is what's really hard too where people say a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. Whenever anything happens in the environment, nobody knows anything about environmental science including myself but uh, because this has become such a political issue anytime it's a partially cloudy day in Los Angeles the the mass populace will attribute it to global warming and there isn't evidence for a lot of these things so with the drying up of Lake Chad th- there are a lot of other reasons that have been proposed there's been a massive population increase there's been uh, there's grazing and there's also regional climate variability so not not all climate variability is due to some global phenomenon or man-caused pollution. Places change over time and uh, there's much more evidence that that's what's causing the Lake Chad dry up than you're driving your SUVs. Hurricane Katrina, Al Gore uh, said that Hurricane Katrina shows the effects of global warming. And this is another incredible evidence where weather is not climate and climate is not weather except when it's convenient for Al Gore. That's, then then there's a one-to-one correlation. But when conservatives say it, that it's ridiculous, you're uneducated, you're rubes. The, there is there is no evidence that Hurricane Katrina was caused by global warming. There is a lot of evidence that Hurricane Katrina and the devastation that it wrought is caused by insufficient levies and bad Democrat municipal leadership. There, that's, that is a city that's been run by Democrats forever, and they didn't prepare for, for uh, these potential disasters. Not a lot of evidence, again, that your SUV caused that, that terrible disaster. And then the polar bears. Those poor, don't you remember, after that movie came out, there were all these memes going around. That, one, that lone polar bear on a, on a little a floating ice sheet because all of his pals had drowned. The, they were in danger of going extinct. The, all the ice was melting, so they were swimming and drowning. Uh, there is just three numbers that we should read off that will, <laughs> that will disabuse you of this notion that Al Gore propagated in his film. In nineteen sixty, do you know how many polar bears there were in the world? Estimated eight to ten thousand polar bears in the world. That is in danger of extinction. Now, in two thousand five, just before Al Gore made his movie, forty-five years after nineteen sixty, there was an estimated 20 to twenty-five thousand polar bears in existence. That's pretty good. Don't call it a comeback. That's a that's a great increase since the nineteen sixties. But what about ten years later? There have to be what, five or ten polar bears left in the world. Not true. The polar bear population is now estimated between 23 and 32,000 polar bears. Great news for the polar bears. I'm so happy to see that. Bad news for Al Gore and his first movie and his sequel. And then finally, Al Gore claimed that the coral reef would be bleached and destroyed by global warming. But again, there is insufficient evidence of this. There's insufficient evidence that the coral reefs haven't uh, adapted, and uh, we still have plenty of reefs to go around and snorkel and scuba dive by. So with that, let's bring in our panel of deplorables. We have, we have a truly, truly deplorable panel today. We have from the Blaze and the conservative millennial vlog, we have Ali Stuckey, the conservative millennial. From PJTV and about a gazillion other media outlets, we have Alfonso, Zoe, Rachel. And from the alley next to the Chatsworth Psychiatric Hospital, we have Jacob Airy. Thank you all for joining us today. Let's go right into Al Gore. Zoe, why are we wasting so much time talking about healthcare (coughs) and ISIS and the North Korea crisis when we could be talking about the sun monster? The sun monster is going to kill us all. And Mayor Bear Pig. uh, you
3: know, I probably shouldn't say this on TV, man, but when you say let's go
0: into Al Gore, that sounds dirty. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> point. I should have reconsidered my thoughts.
3: I don't, I don't like the way that sounds, man. There's a lot of gas being there.
0: That is an yeah, X-rated way to begin the yeah, Michael Knowles Show, going right into it's, sure. Al Gore.
3: It's, I, you started it. You started it. But, you know, the thing with Al Gore is I think that he's, he's undergone a, a transgender change, and he's decided to represent himself, represent himself as, as uh, Mother Earth. And, uh, and if you really cared about the environment, I don't think you would be encouraging people you know, to waste their gas money and waste gas and emissions going to see his movie.
0: That is a great point. Jacob, if, if we just count a few more chads out of those counties in Florida, do you think Al Gore can finally be president? That's what this is all about, right? It's just 16, 17 years later, he can't get over it. <laughs>
2: I know, and it, what's crazy about it is Al Gore, when he when he won his Nobel Peace Prize for doing this slideshow, there was people there were people who actually deserved it. There was a lady who was proposed by a Holocaust organization. Her name was Irene Sindler, and she actually rescued 2,500 children, Jewish children, in Poland during the Nazi occupation, and. She lost to Al Gore, who did uh, a video that has largely been debunked, or, or excuse me, debunked. So I honestly think that even if we got rid of all those uh, all those rednecks who who just want to drive their their at Ford F-150s, I still think Al Gore would, would lose in, in the long run.
0: Typical right-wing propaganda. You think that some, some hero of the Holocaust deserves a prize more than Al Gore who told us to crush tin cans. Absolutely disgusting hate speech. Allie, do millennials care about global warming or is this just some baby boomer hippy dippy fantasy?
4: if they buy into this anti-trump propaganda that al gore is pushing there could be many millennials that do unfortunately we're duped by things that we scroll on past on facebook um sensationalized headlines and so if you're someone who is easily duped uh then maybe you could go to something like this and actually believe that the world is coming to an end but if millennials actually stepped back and thought about the facts that al gore is saying that our quality of life is lowering that life expectancy is lowering because of fossil fuels And they actually thought about the fact that the opposite is true that the quality of life has become better that life expectancy has lengthened even while we're using more and more fossil fuels then maybe they would see that what he's telling isn't the entire picture and if al gore really cared about people the 7 billion people in the world their access to clean water their quality of life he would actually be pushing fossil fuels but he's not he's doing the opposite so anyone that doesn't see this as propaganda millennials or not Sadly, they're part of the problem.
0: To quote a great man, sad. The speaking of gullible fools, there is this really creepy aspect to the movie where the last third of it shows him going around to these cult light gatherings and he's teaching them. He calls them his glo- global warming trainings or his climate crisis trainings. And you see all of these little clerics of the global warming religion learning from their, their Pope, their high priest. So is that what this is? Is that what this is about? Just secular religion and, and gullible fools?
3: Well I'm getting a, I'm getting a bad transmission, but I think if I if I can try to piece together what you're saying, because I did hear, I heard the magic word of religion. That's what I think this whole thing is. I think it's state-sponsored religion as it is. Um but yeah, this you know, he is he is preying on the self-righteousness of these millennials. And by the way, I feel bad for these millennials because of all this. Global warming stuff. These people are having these. These kids are having to pay some awful gas prices. I feel you know. You guys first get your driver's license. You're ready to hit the road and take off the gas. You guys got to pay these high gas prices. That's really that really sucks. It's because of people like Al Gore that we have to pay these high gas prices for all these boutique fuels and all these regulations that they put on fuels and these taxes that they put on fuels. Preaching this fear mongering that they do.
0: I blame Bush and the Russians, but agree to disagree, agree to disagree. We have to go now and sign off of Facebook and YouTube because you all who don't subscribe to The Daily Wire can't keep watching it. It costs $10 a month or $100 a year. And you get the rest of this absolutely deplorable panel. We're going to be talking about Scaramucci. We're going to be talking about all the news, but you can't see it unless you subscribe. So go to the Daily Wire right now, subscribe. You'll get the Michael Knowles show, the Ben Shapiro show, the Andrew Klavan show, and a lot of other perks. So go over there right now and Facebook and YouTube.
4: We'll see you later. Okay, so we have news now that Russia will expel
0: 755 US diplomats in retaliation to new sanctions that we've passed. Here we, we actually have video footage of our weak, corrupt president colluding with the Russians. Do we have
1: it? My last speech for you. Yeah. And After my election, I have more
2: talks with you. Yeah. 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 I, understand. I transmit this information to Vladimir and Vladimir.
0: Oh no, that was the last president. That wasn't that wasn't the new president. That was the weak and corrupt president Barack Obama. Okay, interesting. Well, things don't look good in the US-Russia relationship. Or maybe that's exactly what Trump wants us to think. Allie, can we finally drop this tr- uh, Russia collusion narrative? Is it over finally?
4: Um, I don't think it's ever going to be over until we get with which, what do they want? Do they want Trump to be impeached? I don't really know. I don't think it's going to be over. But frankly, I don't think this is that much of a story. Yes, there's tension between the U.S. and Russia, but what else is new? All he's doing is dialing the number of diplomats back to what it was before. 755 diplomats in Russia is actually a huge number. I think we only have around 50 Russian diplomats in America. So he's just scaling it back. This is... uh, You know, political tick for attack. It's not that big of a deal, honestly.
0: Jacob, are the US and Russia headed for conflict right now? Or has Trump ushered in an actual Russian reset, which Hillary Clinton tried to do and mistranslated the word? Is this a big nothing burger or are we headed for for conflict?
2: We've always been in conflict with Russia. So I honestly think it's just a big nothing burger. I agree with Ali. It's just business as usual. He did the same thing when, during the Obama administration, when Obama shut down some of their embassies. That's all this is. It's just him trying to say, hey, look at me. I I ride on a horse with no shirt on. That's all that Putin is doing right now. So, you know, we haven't
0: had a war in a while. It's been, all of our wars have kind of been uh, winding down. Can we get, can we get this one? Should this, are are we, uh, how, how are the Democrats gonna spin this? And how are we gonna finally get some
3: war over here? i tell you what, man, I, I usually hear the popular thing. Uh, the popular saying is we need a war to increase our economy. I, as far <laughs> as I remember, we've been at war for a little while, and uh, I don't see people feeling all that great about the economy. But, uh, yeah, sure, why not? And, you know, it was, uh, who, who are we talking about doing war with today? We're talking about uh, 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 North Korea? Is that the one? Oh, hey, you know, yo, that, hey, that's a great you know, point. Don't, don't, huh. You know, and, and, and by the way, you know, Kim Jong, uh, listen here. You know, you don't want to mess with us too much, you know, because Americans, we love barbecue. And uh, we hear that uh, Korean barbecue is really good. So, uh, you know, if you don't want to be on our grill, you know, leave us alone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm glad you brought that up. We actually have live footage right now. We have a live feed into Pyongyang as tensions ramp up with North Korea. Can we ping into that?
1: I'm so lonely, so lonely, so lonely and sad real long. There's no one, just me
4: only. Sitting on my real phone I work we hard and make up great friends, <laughs>
2: but no I'm not gonna cut it <laughs>
0: Incredible footage. Incredible footage. This is what you subscribe to The Daily Wire for. Jacob,
2: shouldn't we just be a little bit more
0: compassionate and accommodating of the Kim regime? Aren't they just a little bit lonely?
2: Oh, absolutely not. We need to keep our our hammer on them. We need to be watching them. They are up to no good, and these missile tests uh, show this. I'm not advocating we should do an invasion or anything, but we should definitely keep a sharp eye on them. They are always trying uh, something new to, uh, to cancel out democracy because they want to spread their red terror wherever they go. Have you no empathy, you
0: monstrous Republican. Ali, the, the Kim regime has really been aggressive lately. They've been shooting off a lot of missiles, one missile very close to Japan. What, what does Kim Jong-un think that he has to gain from this? What, what, what's his end game here?
4: I think his game is the same that it's always been, which is what he thinks will be absolute power. Now, whether his idea of how much power he actually has is conflated because he is so isolated and lonely, we don't really know. But that's why exactly what we just heard is that Trump needs to keep a sharp eye on him and put pressure on China. Um, And that's exactly what he's doing. He's calling out China uh, for not keeping these things at bay, which is absolutely true. I don't think that we can any longer trust China to help us in that department.
0: You mispronounced it. It is China, but otherwise great points. I totally agree. Zo, so is President Trump going to blow up the world or has his handling of international affairs been pretty reassuring?
3: I thought he's was going to blow up the world because there ain't no money in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's a great that's really all
0: you have to say about it. That's a really that's a really great point. We got we're going to make that into an article. Brilliant. Brilliant. This there is he's blown up his White House. He's blown up all of my excitement about this White House because of the terrible news that came out just 20 minutes ago. Anthony Scaramucci, the Mooch, Wall Street executive, White House Communications Director, he is out from his post after just 10 days, to quote a great man, sad. The mooch got Reince fired. Reince's replacement got the mooch fired. Allie, is this chaos narrative correct? Is that what's going? Is this total chaos, or is there any strategy here?
4: Actually, no. I think it's because uh, Scaramucci made a mistake um, in in trusting a reporter, which he never should have done. He said some things that he probably didn't mean, but he said. And I think for a communications director, that wasn't really good luck. So I actually commend Trump for saying, you know what, none of this nonsense. I think he's actually cutting out some chaos by um, firing someone who otherwise would have done a good job, but just messed up. I don't think we have any room for this kind of tomfoolery anymore. So that's why they had to say, sorry, Scaramucci, you're out.
0: I guess that's true. You know, whenever I'm having a little fight with my fiance or I'm, I'm arguing with the uh, Daily Wire God King, Jeremy Boring, the first thing I do is called up left-wing reporter Ryan Lizza at the New Yorker. That's the first thing i do, i say, you know, Ryan, I'm so I gotta take my call again. I'm just really upset at all of my friends and colleagues. And he, it's, uh, it's too bad it didn't work out for Scaramucci. You know, George Steinbrenner very famously fired all of his top employees over and over again. He'd rehire them, he'd fire them again. And he is the winningest owner in baseball history. So, is Trump's revolving door a sign of adaptability and strength, or does it bode badly for the Trump administration?
3: Uh, uh, Answering from what I can get from that, uh, and and I could use some of that Trump money so I can upload a be- or or use, make use of a better uh, signal amplifier or something like Once that. Once we get those better uh, trade but, deals, it, then the economy
0: is going to boom. We'll be able to get you a better signal.
3: There you go. There you go. And uh, let's, if, if if this is concerning Scaramucci, it's like man, it's, that's that's bad. Dude, it's like I've kept the job longer than you, uh, and that's nothing <laughs> to brag about. And uh, so, but hey, but you know, if you going into the fire thing, you know, we gotta, we gotta get those means going where Trump is like, going, you're fired." He's gotta come on Twitter and say you're fired or something like that. And and uh, and I'm not even sure who who Scaramucci was fired by. Was he fired by his wife? What what what? What's, what's <laughs> he going also on he also divorced? was fired by his wife. It and looks he's like a, he's
0: getting a divorce. He worked for President but, Trump just long enough to get divorced. Not a good tenure.
3: Hey, but. Right. Oh, and I'm sorry if I'm stepping on it because like my chance is really bad. But I think I think Mucci may have a career as a rap artist, man, because he uses more foul language than any rap album I've ever heard. <laughs>
0: that is great advice. I hope that the Mooch is watching. Really good advice from Zoe. You should you should take it down. Uh, Jacob, Sean Spicer's got to be feeling great right now. They, he had the second shortest tenure of any press secretary in US history, and he still lasted six, seven months. Scaramucci gone after only 10 days. Why did he only last a week? Was it, was it that New Yorker article or was it, uh, did he unexpectedly hire the man who was going to fire
2: him? What, what, what were the workings like? I honestly think it was tension between him and the new White House chief of staff, uh, John Kelly, former Marine general, the, the rumor was that Scaramucci was bragging that he had unlimited access to Trump, that he could go right around Kelly and uh, go straight to the Oval Office. And reports are saying that at the beginning of the week or uh, just yesterday, uh, Kelly told the staff, no, I am in charge. I am running things. I'm the chief of staff. No one goes through goes through me uh, or goes to Trump through me, and so I really think uh, I really think that that's what this was. Was scary, Scaramucci wanted unlimited access, and Kelly was like, not happening. That's uh, that's my honest uh, take on this whole thing.
0: I think he might have been a victim of global warming, but uh, who knows? Who knows? It'll be for us to debate. Thank you all for being here, Ali, Zo, Jacob. Great to have you. I'm sure we'll have you back. Now get out of here. What a deplorable panel. What a deplorable panel that is. Now it is time for the final thought. Global warming evokes a religious passion, particularly among the secular left, not merely because it coincidentally justifies every policy goal they've harbored for a century, but even more because it offers atheists the satisfaction of their natural religious longings. Climate change is unfalsifiable, as evidenced by the ever-changing nomenclature. Global cooling, global warming, the catch-all climate change, and now Al Gore's even more mealy-mouthed climate crisis. This quasi-religion offers sin in pollution, redemption in recycling, even the sale of indulgences in carbon offset credits. Fantasies of imminent carbon-induced Armageddon are secular eschatology, and Al Gore is a modern-day Millerite. But St. Al and his apostles would do well to ask themselves a sobering question. How would you reorient your life if the world doesn't actually need your saving? I'm Michael Knowles. This is the first episode of The Michael Knowles Show. Come back tomorrow and we'll do it again.